Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Life Scheme. I am your host, Michael Matry, and I am beside myself right now. I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing a man that is so near and dear to my heart. Um, somebody that I've looked up to for as long as I could remember. Soon as I was, I was born, he was there. Uh, my brother. <laughs> uh, I'm able to actually interview him tonight. And you guys get a dose of everything that I've been able to experience from this incredibly, incredibly, incredibly complex, intricate, yet very intelligent man. Um, and so I'm super excited. The title of today is Adversity, Addiction, and Awakening. And we just opened it up by talking about the man. Uh, I sincerely know him as Jassy. <laughs> uh, but to the world, he's Yves Dufour. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he has been in many, many, many different life situations in terms of careers, in terms of happenings and dealings. Uh, he has an entrepreneurship spirit, so there's no limit to where he can go and what he's doing. And I'll let him talk about himself and about what he's getting into and what he's doing. But in the context of this interview, I think it just is very important that we point out that this is going to get really real. This is something that we've been wanting to do for a long time and just blow the cap off of a life that is filled with turmoil, um, but at the same time filled with a lot of beauty as well. And I've learned a lot from this man. And I can personally say um, that his road has not been easy. And, and you know, life is never easy, but we have those amongst us that have gone through an especially exceptionally difficult road. And we want to talk a little bit about that. And we just start off with Jassy. <laughs> Eves, how are you, man? Talk to me, tell the people who you are and, and and how you made it to this point, to the point where you're on this interview with me here today. What's going on, brother? I'm very happy to be on the show. Very happy to be on the show. I love Life Scheme. I love you. And I've been anticipating this for so long. You know, we've been talking about it. And so the timing was right. You know, I'm very happy to be on here and to, to chat with you. Yeah, so we we we've been talking about this off and on for a while, but what would you say in the most recent history was the turning point for you that said, "You know what? I need to get on an interview with my brother. I need to tell the world my story." What inspired you to just get to a place where you wanted to tell the world your story? Honestly, I wanted to get on for myself. I wanted to get on for myself because, mm. <clears throat> you know, as of recent, I've had a lot of big changes happen in my life for me. And, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to get on and put some stuff out there. Um, you know, as we, as we get into it, you know, some of, some of the challenges that I've had, I just wanted to put them out there and I've never, historically have been the type to kind of put my business out there. I'm a very private person, you know what I'm saying? But I said, you know, I'm, I want to put some things out there. Uh, and if somebody's able to benefit from it, that's that's even better. But more so, you know, I'm going to benefit from it, from taking some things that's been in the dark and putting it out there. You know what I mean? Mm. So 
That's powerful. Yeah. That's, that's very powerful, man. We can jump right into it, man. Yeah. So the first leg in all of this is adversity. Yeah. And personally knowing you, personally having communed with you and knowing your walk, I can honestly say that I, I have an idea of when some of the adversity started in your life. But let's hear it in your words. When you say, when you hear the word adversity, what comes to mind as your first experience? You can go as far back as you possibly can. What comes to mind as your first encounter with adversity? <clears throat> I started my life with adversity. I was born 1980 in Boston, Mass. My father was a immigrant from Haiti. And my mother was an immigrant from Hungary. My father came to Boston in 1978. My mother had come into the States around that time too. Uh, my mother was young. My mother was real young. Uh, my dad was much older than her. And they, they, they met in about 78, 79, around there. And they married shortly after they met. And my mother got pregnant with me. And, uh, you know, I was born in 1980. And uh, a couple years later, she left. You know, she left. And I didn't have much memory of her. So growing up, you know, I only knew my dad. And we lived in a tiny little studio in Dorchester, Mass. And it was rough at that time. You know what I mean? Boston was a very tough city. It's still a tough city, but the 80s, Boston was really a tough city, especially where I lived at. And I lived in a tenement building. So every type of stereotype you hear about tenements, I mean, that's what I grew up with. We were very poor. You know, my dad didn't make a lot of money. A lot of times he had to work two jobs. So we grew up hard, man. We grew up hard. But he was all that I knew. He was all that I knew. And I have two older sisters that over the course of, you know, my, my young years, toddler years, four years old, five, you know, they, they one by one came into the States as well. And at one point it was all of us packed in a little studio apartment, me, my dad, my uncle and two older sisters. I didn't even know who these people were when they first came. You know what I'm saying? Mm. My father had told me, oh, this is your sister. This is your uncle. But I never had no knowledge of a mother. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that kids had mothers. I just knew I had a, my father. He's all I knew. You know, it wasn't until, like, you know, I'm going to school and being around other kids my age and stuff and you know I start to learn this idea of a mother you know and I remember the first time I asked my dad like yo where's my mother 
know what I'm saying? And he's just like, you know, don't, you don't need to ask this question. You know, don't worry. Don't worry. Think about her or ask about her. Just, you have me and that's all you need. Mm. You know? So this idea left me, you know what I'm saying? It, it left me. And growing up was tough, man. It, it was tough. My, my dad was, he was a real tough guy. He was, he was a very hard man. A big disciplinarian, just a, a, a tough person. And I'm sure that what he came from was probably even harder than what I had coming from a poor country. And, and uh, he, he had his issues, he had his issues. But a lot of those issues, they, they spilled over to me. So me being small, you know, I was naturally a, 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 a happy kid, like most kids, you know, but over time that, that started to, to wither away because a lot of his stuff spilled on me and it became, there was a lot of abuse, man. You know what I'm saying? There was a, but for me, I don't, look at that I just look at it this is normal you know this is normal to you know always be catching these whoopings and mm. life is being hard and sometimes there's no food to eat sometimes we don't have no heat sometimes we don't have no lights there's rats in the crib and so when you were going through this and, and, and you're seeing this stuff you're in your whole time in your mind you're thinking this is normal. This is the way life is for this everybody. Is this is normal for me. This is normal for me. You know, this is normal for me. But when I'm going to stay with other family or friends of his and stuff like that, I see that things are different with them. You know what I mean? But never, I never looked at it as this is adversity or this is hard for me. This was normal for me. You understand what I'm saying? So the adversity that you face it just felt like at this point you didn't know any different because since the time you were born this is the kind of way that life was for you this is what your norm was yeah exactly <laughs> exactly wow and 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 there, there were times you know when things were okay things were good there were there were times where that was the case you know, but over time, growing up, it's just like, there was just one constant, and that constant was the hardships. Now, that's in your childhood, and when you're going through things in your childhood, definitely it's hard to process as a child, because at that point, you don't know any different. It's what you're born in. You you have somewhat some good times, but for the most part, like you're struggling and you don't understand why the struggle is there. Talk to me a little bit about your teenage years, um, you know, leading all the way up into high school. Talk to me about high school and about some of the adversities you faced um, in high school. I think going into my, uh, my preteens and my teenage years, I think that's when a lot of the things from my youngest years started to, kind of regurgitate and manifest themselves in my life and 
in in destructive ways because first of all with school i never liked school i hated school I, i really hated school because from elementary school um it started with going to school in boston i went to the the holland school that was a nightmare for me you know what i'm saying it was all kind of grades a lot of bigger kids older kids and it, it, i can't remember the school that the movie uh remember the movie lean on me the school was like that school <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying it was just a real grimy east side you know, high <laughs> east side high it was real real grimy and you know i used to get picked on in that school you know i used to get picked on in that school and then you know when we finally moved to Brockton in 1990 91 that time and you know transferred schools and started going to the elementary schools out there i mean i got picked on in in that school you know so from from going to being a school in Boston and then going into elementary school in Brockton you know both you know i'm getting picked on and pushed around and stuff like that you know because again we didn't have money so i'm going to school a lot of times i'm wearing the same clothes every day You know, I got maybe two outfits for the week, two, three outfits. I'm trying to switch through them and change it up. You know, I'm on the lunch ticket program. I'm getting picked on for that. I was undersized as a kid, real skinny. I'm getting picked on for that. You know, I'm going to school without a haircut, a big afro. I'm getting picked on for that. So bullying has been something that's been real highlighted these days. It's something that's really become prominent. People are, every, everybody's against it. But we was dealing with that from youth, 80s, 90s. It was a thing. So I hated school, man. You know what I'm saying? I hated school. And hmm. I didn't have confidence being in school. Junior high school, freshman year in high school, I didn't have confidence really. But I didn't have any reason to be confident. Up until that point, I didn't have anything that I've experienced that should make me feel confident about myself. Hmm. Hmm. And all the while, you know what I'm saying? All the while, I'm building up so much anger i'm building up a lot of anger you know what i'm saying because i'm not happy with how my life is i'm not happy with myself i'm not happy with myself i'm like damn i get i got issues at the house you know i'm getting you get pushed around in school nobody likes me i'm sitting in i'm sitting at lunch tables by myself i'm seeing other kids popular kids with new clothes fresh sneakers all this stuff is building up rage inside of me you know it's building up rage inside of me And then I would say like my sophomore year going into my junior year in high school that's when I had a pivot and things became different. Confidence came. Confidence came but it didn't come about the right way. Mm. You know, confidence came but it didn't come about the right way. So at this point I'm 7 16 17 years old whatever now I start getting into the streets. Cause now I'm, in, I'm, in, you know, I'm living in Brockton, on the east side of Brockton. I start getting in the streets, so I start to befriend some people from school at that time, and then very slowly I start to make this transition into the streets, mm. hanging out, being on the north side of Brockton, the south side of Brockton. How did the adversity you faced in your childhood translate? into who you became on the street and we know that you had this adversity these things you were facing as a child and they were traumatic for you and then you got picked on when you were in the younger earlier grades and then sophomore junior year you had this switch where all of a sudden you became confident in your own words and maybe not in the best way but 
then you got introduced to the streets and then you had your own, from my understanding, you had your own persona in the streets. And from what I remember as a kid growing up and knowing you, <laughs> you were respected. You were respected in our neighborhood as being one tough kid. You know what I'm saying? You were respected in our neighborhood. You were respected around Brockton. People knew who you were. And you began to have this reputation of this confident, respected, tough guy. So when you made that transition and you made that switch, I, I, it, it obviously was convincing not only to you, but to everybody around you. But how did the adversity that you went through as a kid translate into the street life and what you dealt with as that new persona that you were upholding? I think what happened was, you know, by that time when I start getting involved in the street, I already been drinking by that time. You know, I probably took my, probably had my first drink when I was maybe 10, 11, somewhere around there. Maybe even younger than that. You can't pinpoint it, but I was already been drinking. You know what I mean? Now alcohol started to become something, a part of my life and it, it numbed a certain part of me. You know what I'm saying? It numbed, it, it gave me the ability to turn a certain part of me off. Mm. The part of me that was fearful or didn't have confidence, that, that part went off. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? They turned that off. So it was like, it gave me a bypass button. And then so from there, everything that I wanted to do, everything that I felt, everything I wanted to let out, the way I, the, 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 the move I wanted to make, I was able to make it. And I made that move full force. And so now all the anger that I have and all the this and that and all the lack I felt up to that point, it was the big payback at this point. So now I'm in, now once I start to hang on the street and I'm on the street a lot, being on the streets and hanging on the street and, and living that lifestyle, you, you start to you naturally become desensitized to a lot of stuff. They start to change you, you know? I was hanging around a lot of bad dudes. We were doing a lot of bad things. And I, it ju I just start to change, you know? And it's not like being on the street and that it alleviated some anger. It made me more angry. I became more angry. And now everything that I had, I, I let it out. So now I'm the bully now. You know, now I'm the bully now. Now I'm beating up other people and I'm doing all types of grimy, grimy stuff. You know what I mean? Hmm. So if I hear you right, the, the, the adversity started to translate into the personality as you became older and as you became in your teenage years. And, and in comes the liquor, in comes the alcohol. At what point for you did the alcohol become an addiction? I think the alcohol became an addiction from the first sip. I think it started from the first sip. And when I, my first time drinking was from my father. My father is the one who, gave me beer to drink. Hmm. And I never as a kid was drinking or anything because I'm like, oh, I'm trying to drink to drown my depression. I drink because I wanted to be like him. Hmm. I wanted to do what he was doing. And so when he gave me that first little bit of beer, that first little sip from there all the time, that's the way that it had to be for me. And so every time he's drinking, you know, if we're out and we're somewhere and he's drinking, then he would be a little more wary of if we was home, he's drinking a beer. I come, I'm like, yo, I was my beer. 
Jesus. No, no, no. And then he would tell me, no, no, son, you know, you're not old enough. And, but in my head, I'm like, nah, player, you, oh, we already we already started this program. You've given me beer before. Now you drinking beer, I'm drinking beer too. So I want my beer as well. We're going to drink together. Wow. And a little sip, a little sip became a little bit in a cup, then a little more in a cup, then half a cup. And my dad, when he was drinking, is the opposite. Some people, when they're drinking, they're more violent. My dad was violent when he was sober. When he was drinking, it was when he was more nice and when he was more affectionate and loving. Ooh, even more reason for you to drink. And not, and not just that, but when my dad would be, when my dad was sober, he was didn't show me affection. I didn't have affection. I, I, my uncle didn't show me. I'm not gonna get it from him. I'm not getting it from my two sisters, and I don't got no mother there to coddle me. And my dad, he's definitely not gonna give me. But when he was drinking, he would be affectionate with me. He had nick nicknames for me. He'd pull me on, sit me on his lap. He'd be drinking his whiskey. And I would get so close to him that I could always, I could smell the whiskey on his breath. And so from there, through my teenage years, through my 20s, just all my life, anytime I would crack a bottle, the first thing I'd do is I always took a sniff and every time I would smell the smell of whiskey, it always brought me back to being on my dad's lap. Cause that was when I was closest with him is when he was drinking. So I didn't associate drinking when I was young with a bad thing. That was the good thing in my life. That was the highlight. That was the, that was the bright spot of my youth was when he's drinking and when I'm drinking. So the addiction started there. So I'm just at a I'm at a loss for words because I mean I'm learning a lot of this stuff for the first time. I never heard this. I never knew this. So when we talk about addiction off the jump started right away because in your mind alcohol in your own words was something that was good you know your your dad was was better off with it although it seemed and you started to feel the positive effects of it for who it made you in the streets who it with the kind of person it made you um and i can attest from growing up with you in the household that you know when it first started you definitely were happier when you drank. <laughs> when you first started, um, alcohol was something that made you friendly. <laughs> um, it was something that made you a little bit more digestible. You know, and our other brother Rob will probably attest to this, where we felt like when you took some type of form of drug, whether it was weed or alcohol or whatever, we were more at ease in the house because you were less angry. <laughs> we were more at ease in the house because we didn't have to worry about getting beat up. <laughs> we didn't have to worry about being yelled at. We didn't have to worry about dealing with your moody personality because it seemed like drugs or alcohol or whatever it was made you a different person or almost like there was a different personality that came and we rode that wave for a while, but then 
then there was a shift that happened. There was a shift that happened that no longer were you becoming happy while you were intoxicated, but some other things started coming out. Explain to me when dealing with alcohol started to become the detriment. I mean, obviously it's always a detriment, but you were coasting for a while. I mean, you were using this stuff and it was giving you everything that you needed. When can you pinpoint and say that this is when things started to change? This is when it started to go downhill. I like I like the your question. <clears throat> One thing I will I will say is not that alcohol gave me confidence in the street. It was my anger that took me to the level of starting to have supreme confidence. It wasn't drinking. It was my it was the rage I had in me. It was my anger and the dark the dark aspect of my that I had of myself. That's what gave me my confidence on top of selling drugs and making money and now I'm having nice clothes. Now I'm having some cars. And what always when you're young and you hang around with bad dudes and you're a bad dude and you got a little money and a little car, you're 18, 19. I mean, the girls come with that stuff. So now I'm having this supreme confidence by putting everything together. But I started getting myself into all kinds of all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? And all the while, I'm becoming more depressed. I'm becoming more depressed. I'm feeling more lost. I'm feeling more empty. And so now the alcohol consumption increases because the alcohol was a good thing before. Mm. The alcohol was a good thing before. So now as my problems increase and as, again, being 17, 18, 19, you're going through mad stuff. You're going through mad stuff, all of us. We're going through all kinds, you know, going through mad stuff, man. And because I have things internally that I've never dealt with in my life, I've never acknowledged, I've never dealt with it. I'm, in, I'm ramping up the alcohol consumption to now start to feel better. To start to feel better. And it's always, it's a, it's a temporary, it's a temporary feeling. It's just a numbing agent. And so once it wear off, I'm right back to it. But it's like a double fork type of thing. I'm drinking to feel better about the things that I have buried inside of me. And then I'm also drinking to feel better about the drama that I'm, I presently have going on in my life because I'm having all types of drama. I got a lot of enemies in the street. I'm having bad relationships with women. You know, I'm getting arrested and I'm having problems, even more problems at the house with my father. And, and, and so you start drowning in the stuff. You start drowning in the stuff. And now what what was a innocent thing as a kid to just have a bonding moment now becomes some kind of a remedy. Hmm. 
So if I understand correctly, you, you, your consumption starts to increase. And so naturally, when you increase the consumption, bad things happen. More bad things happen. So it has this compounding effect that I'm drinking to wash away my buried troubles. I'm drinking to wash away the current troubles. And that event is creating more problems for me. Serious problems for me. And then the more serious my problems got, the more I drank. The more I drink, it's it's a it's a it's a pit with no bottom to it, man. What would, you, what would you say? And you're gonna have to dig deep for this one. What would you say? Give me two scenarios. Give me the worst experience with alcohol growing up, like in your teenage years. And then let's transition into your adulthood by giving me the worst experience as an adult. You know, the sad thing about that is I don't even know if I could pick any. I've, I've had so many that was so bad. I've had so many brushes with death. I don't know if I could pick one. Well, I mean, when you, when you rub elbows with death, what can be worse than that? I mean, I, I, I don't know what scenario to pick. I've ruined relationships because of it. I've crashed cars because of it. It's hard to pick one, man. Wow. It's hard to pick one. Wow. I've had so many nights where I've, I woke up the next day surprised. Wow. I, I, wake, I wake up sometimes surprised that I woke up. Hmm. You know what I mean? Sad to say. Answer this question for me. And we and I want to transition into adulthood, but answer this question for me. The addictions I had in my childhood caused what? It's caused a lot. It's caused a lot. I've lost a lot. But at this point in my life, I would say that out of all the quote unquote battle, how I perceive those things have been bad. It's brought, it's, it's brought me face to face with myself. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's brought me face to face with myself. Tell me more about that. I was just telling one of my close friends last night, we were having a conversation about this. And I used to have this thing that I would say all the time. And you know, I have a 10 year old son, your nephew. And he's the greatest thing in my life. And I'm happy to be alive, to be here with him right now. And I had a thing I always used to say is that, you know, 
if I could go back in my life, if I could change one thing, I would have never drank. You know, since my son was born in 2010, I never drank around him. I never kept alcohol in the house. I never let him see me drink. He don't know nothing about alcohol. And I made sure I purposely did that. I didn't, I did not want to expose this thing to him. See what I'm saying? But I used to always say, man, if I could go back, I would never have drank. I would never take one drink. My life would be different now if I didn't drink. But I've since corrected myself. I don't say that anymore. I don't say it anymore because I have a new perspective that. You know, some people say alcohol is a poison. Alcohol is from the devil. I have a different perspective now. For me, the alcohol is from God. God gave me that. God gave me that gift, that blessing of growing up with alcohol and becoming, you know, having alcoholism in my life. This was a gift. I would never have the gratitude in my life right now. I would never have the clarity that I have in my life if it wasn't for this thorn that was in my side all my life, man. I have peace in my heart. I have love in my heart. I have grace in my heart for myself. I wouldn't necessarily have that if I didn't have this trial. Mm. Mm. What, what does the word awakening mean to you? Awakening for me is is, is a realization. It's a realization. Give me all of it. Give me everything right now, Black. Give me everything. You hear these type of terms in spirituality. You hear self-awakening. You hear self-realization. Realization is when you come to realize that you've been asleep. When you realize that you've been sleeping, what's that? You wake up. It's not that you come to this awakening that life is a certain way or you are a certain way or there's a certain something. Uh, you, you come to realize that I've been asleep. Not mentally asleep, but myself, my true self, my true nature. I have been asleep. I have been entangled mm. in this story. I've been entangled in this story that I have this traumatic past and a hard life and addiction and I'm an alcoholic and I've lost this and I've lost that and all this and this this whole big story that I've been sleeping in that story. And awakening for me is when you wake up and realize that it is none of it is real. It's not real. 
It's an experience that I've, I've had. It's something I experienced, but it's not me. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the alcoholic. I'm not the former street cat and the former this, that. I'm just the, I'm the, I'm the witness of it all. I'm there, I've watched it all happen, but none of it is attached to me. I'm free. And my whole life is like, man, I just want to be free. I want to be free from this. I want to, I don't want to have this, but I'm already free. I was never enslaved. I've always been free. Amen. My whole life I've been free. My whole life I've been blessed. It's just an experience. It's powerful, man. <laughs> That's extraordinarily powerful. And as we talk about awakening, there's so many people that are going to draw strength from your story and what you've been talking about today. I have to ask you, though, Black, what do you have? What do you have for words to somebody that's out there right now battling their demons, battling addiction, that no longer wants to live, that feels like there's no more hope and they can't get out of their mind? What would you say to somebody who is experiencing everything that you've gone through and feels like they're hopeless. Just be, just be with it. Just be there. Just be with it. Just be with it. You're depressed. You're drug addicted. You've been abused. You're alcoholic. Be with it. Accept it. Accept it. That's what is happening to you. That's what you're experiencing. Hmm. But accept it. And this is why I say this. I tried so hard. to kill my addictions. I tried very hard in my life to correct and change things about myself. I've been in every kind of program. I've seen every type of therapist. And those things are good. They're, they're okay. It's fine. But something I realized is that I, I never had success I never had any success every time I tried to quit drinking. I tried to quit smoking. I tried to change. I tried to become less angry. I tried to become a more calm person. I tried to do that. I could never change it, those things. Why? Because it's the way I am. And trying to change yourself, you know what I'm saying? And try to break an addiction and stop doing this and do this. And, and you know what I mean? And be another type of waste. It's a form of violence as well. It is a form of violence against yourself. You are not right. Therefore, you need to be fixed. 
But the minute that I just accepted, like, yo, this is this is the things that have happened to you. These are the things that are happening to you. And it's okay. I know it's counterintuitive. We want to rid ourselves of our ills. But like Wayne Dyer, rest in peace, one of my favorite mentors used to say, he said, to trust in the wisdom that created you. And life saw it fit for me to go through these experiences. And for everybody on this planet that's going through what they're going through, life sees it fit that you experience this. But to trust that it's for your greater good, man. You don't know what you become from it. You don't know what is birthed from it. The very thing that you're trying to get rid of, you don't know where it takes you to. I don't regret anything. I won't go back now and change anything. It's the way it's supposed to be. I am how I am now. Because of it. Be with it. Accept it. And you, 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 meet, you meet those things in your life. You, you meet them with love. For me, that was the only thing that worked. <clears throat> when I would meet it with love. Like, yo, you're struggling, bro. You've been struggling. It's all good, baby. It's all good, man. It'll dissipate one day. They won't last forever. It won't last forever. It's so, you all right. Everything is okay. And then the things that I tried for decades to get rid, get rid of myself of, they just start to melt away on their own. I am just so moved by this time today. <laughs> I'm moved by your words. I'm moved by your spirit. I'm moved by your heart. Um, but most of all, I'm moved by God because I feel like this conversation is nothing less than divine. And there's going to be a lot of healing that comes from this talk. So thank you for your time. Um, and just thank you for being yourself no matter what. You know, I've learned so much from you. And I continue to thank God for you every day. Um, a lot of who I am today is because of you. <laughs> um, even the people around me and the people that are here in this talk, they're going to know right away who you are. Um, because there's so much from the way that you talk, the way that you reason, the way that you philosophize, like everything. Like There's so much that I've gotten and I've taken from you throughout the years. And hearing you speak is for me um tremendous tremendous beyond words man so i'm beside myself right now but I, I i thank you so much for your time i thank you so much um for this interview and i'm just gonna close it out with a prayer all right thank you brother love you man dear lord uh, <laughs> i just thank you so much because uh, in this moment, there's just a divine gratitude that takes over my soul and takes over my spirit. And I just want to exude it and scream it from a rooftop because I'm grateful. My dear brother 
has come to a full awareness of not only himself, but his place in life itself. Understanding that these things of the universe happen and the gift of acceptance, the gift of deliverance has come to my brother in the most uncommon way. And he has the most uncommon healing that's occurring in his heart every single day. And I know that it's a fight and I know that it's a struggle and I know it's something that he has to take daily. And he has to take it seriously. And he has to commit over and over and over and over again. And just when he felt like he committed enough, now he has to commit even more. And just when he thinks he has sacrificed enough, now he has to sacrifice even more to maintain his awareness of who he truly is. So we thank God for the spirit of perseverance. We thank God for the spirit of being committed to understanding that this spiritual GPS that we have needs to be set. And at some point after rerouting yourself over and over and over again, you have to find your direct path and you have to get to your destination. We thank God that my brother is on his way to his destination. I just pray for divine healing for this brother, for any wounds that may still exist, for anything that may still exist that is not of you. That's something that is limiting or something that is blocking his feet so he can't run around and deliver. I just pray for you. My dear brother, I pray for you that you're able to see on days where it feels dark, that you're able to feel on days where you feel numb, that you're able to still feel the power and the essence and smell the sweet aroma of Jesus. Even at times where you feel like you're in your darkest moments. May your heart continue to heal. May your life continue to thrive. And may your spirit continue to be loud in the midst of so much noise. We thank God for your life. We thank God for this walk. <laughs> and most of all, we thank God for the talk that went down today. Thank you so much for your love and your light. It's in the highest sense of self that we pray. Amen. Amen.